SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for Group of Five football. Uh, Joe Lonergan and Eric Henry here with you as always. And on today's Conference USA edition of the pod, uh, we are excited to have another uh, head coach from within Conference USA join us for a little bit here. We have the leader of the FAU football program, head coach Willie Taggart. Coach, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us for a little bit here. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. And and Eric, you know, as we've kind of made the rounds with each of the uh, head coaches within Conference USA, I know we've been uh, especially excited to talk with Coach Taggart and uh, what he's got in store for his Owls football program this year. No, absolutely, Joe. No doubt about it. Definitely have looked forward to the opportunity to talk with Coach Taggart, jump into things. Obviously, you know, those of us who were at Conference USA Media Days, as you and I and the majority of our Conference USA staff were, had a chance to talk with him then, but definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, doing it here on the podcast. And uh, I think uh, I'll bat lead off on this one, Joe. Is that correct? Swing away, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I will jump to things right there. Uh, Coach Tiger, just kind of want to start, you know, piggybacking off of last year, obviously not the year you were looking for at five and seven. And, you know, one of the things that you, you were able to do with the staff is you, you did make some coaching changes and you added a, quite a few uh, veteran presences on the, on the coaching staff and probably most notably, uh, bring in Brent Dearman, who's the former offensive coordinator at Middle Tennessee State. Just wonder if you could talk about some of the, the coaching changes a little bit and how you see that benefiting your program here in 2022. Well, um, I, I really, really like our staff. I like the dynamic of our staff, the, the way we, we have it set up. And, uh, you know, all these guys are with all these guys that are new here now has brought a, a lot of energy, a lot of new energy, much needed energy to our football team, our program. And, um, and our guys are doing a great job, especially both coordinators, Todd Orlando and Brent Dimmon. They're doing a great job with their staff, first and foremost, but more importantly, they, they're doing a good job of, of getting to know our players. And, and it's showing the way they, our guys, they're up here all the time now. They're around the building a lot. And um, and then when we go out in training camp, you're seeing the work that they put in is paying off for us. Coach, a major part of the, your offense, really the past two years, has been the run game. And you know, you've had a, a lot of talented backs there at FAU. You can go back to 2020, guys like Malcolm Davidson and James Charles. And, you know, going back to last year with Johnny Ford, of course, Larry McCammon, Kelvin Dean, you know, the list goes on. Uh, just talk about, Coach, A, you know, who you're going to be depending on this year, and B, is it a challenge at all to kind of, you know, spread the wealth amongst those backs, you know, kind of keep them all uh, – get them in a rhythm during games, but also making sure you got enough touches for everybody? Well, I think you always got to refer back to what's best for your football team. And, and then guys got to earn those reps. You know, I think in the past, I mean, for us, from a depth standpoint, it wasn't necessarily what we wanted overall as an offense. You know, and I think when you when it comes to the running back position, I think you like to have a, a lead dog in the race and then have some guys that can help spell them as they go. You know, it's kind of typically what it's been for me over the years is, having someone that separates themselves and be that guy, you know, and, and then some other guys can come in and keep keep the train going, you know. So uh, we're looking for someone to be that guy. We have some talented guys back there that's competing for the job. and um, But more importantly, making sure we put those guys in the right position to make the plays that they can. 
in case you just join us, we are joined by Florida Atlantic head coach and the pride of Bradenton, Florida, an area that's near and dear to Joe and I's hearts, uh, head coach Willie Taggart. Coach, just want to flip to the defensive side of the ball, and I had a chance to ask you about this guy at CUSA Media Days, but, you know, definitely can't talk about him enough, so I'll ask you about him here. And that's your big defensive tackle, Evan Anderson. What if you talk about him a little bit and just kind of his progression as you've seen him since you've been with the program and entering 2022? Well, uh, Evan, I mean, he came in. We came in together, and uh, you just seeing a, um, a young man grow up maturity-wise. Um, he's gotten better each year as a football player. He's He's gotten better as a student athlete. He's he's continued to be a, a great young man as a person. Um, it's just it's great to watch his, his, his see his growth. I mean, it's just how you would like for it to be as a coach and see a young man come in and just consistently um, grow and uh, get better. And we always say you're either getting better, or you're getting worse. No one stays the same. And and Evan has, has consistently gotten better. Uh, each year, and I'm really proud of, of the weight that he's lost over the years to get himself down to where he's at now, and uh, looking for him to have a big year for us. A couple more for you, and I'll pass it off to Joe. Uh, again, want to ask about another play on your defensive side of the ball, and that's, you know, standout defensive back TJ Young. Uh, just talk about his play a little bit, and, you know, maybe some of the other guys in the defensive backfield will, will look to step up, guys like Smoke Mungin and others um, who will look to, you know, kind of emerge in that secondary. Well, um, TJ, he, he's the leader. He's that guy. Um, he's he's a leader of our, our defense. Um, he's one of the leaders on our football team. TJ is the quarterback on the defense side of the ball. He can tell and put everybody where he needs to be, and um, everybody respects him for that. You know, so um, he he's big. Smoke Munge is having a heck of a camp. He, Smoke is really sort of like Evan. You know, watching him grow over the years. Um, has been very impressive, and he's having one heck of a camp now, and uh, looking for him to have a big year. But, but like I say, TJ is—he's our leader. Um, he's our alpha dog on that side of the ball, and we expect big things out of him. And um, excited to watch our guys play. Coach, you've coached at you know the Group of Five level, the Power Five level, and this is a question that we've asked all of the Conference USA head coaches that have come on with us this offseason. Definitely want to get your thoughts on this one. The the transfer portal, you know, obviously people have the thoughts one way or the other, but just your approach as a group of five head coach, is there, is there any part of you that, you know, now has to look at the the offseason and roster management from, you know, maybe an NFL style perspective where, you know, you're going to lose X amount of guys and you, you may, you know, have to look at the portal and say, hey, we're going to lose X amount of guys at this position and we've got to go on the portal and, and bring in some guys to fill holes, which is kind of your your you know, philosophy as far as, you know, roster management in today's college football? Well, um, it's, it's different. If you're, if you're trying to do it how you've done it in the past, you're going to get left behind, you know. But, uh, yeah, you got to understand your roster and where you're at. I think really no one knows until until um, November, December, because you have some guys now that leave your program. And so that's when you're sure what you have and what you need to go out, you know, and then um, you got to, do a good job of in the portal or trying to replace those guys along with some high school kids as well. So um, the answers to your question, I think it's coming, becoming more like the NFL style. You got to have guys out um, working the portal as, um, as well as the high school kids. It's, it's different now and um, you got to prepare, prepare for it. Coach, last one for me before I pass it off to Joe, you know, people, regular listeners, this podcast know we like to, 
throw one fun question at our coaches and, and, you know, usually it's either music or food related. So I'm going to go with a music question here, coach. You were uh, in at Western Kentucky from 1994 to 1998. So coach, if you could, you know, take us back to that time, what were you listening to, you know, up there in Bowling Green, Kentucky? What was, you know, coach Taggart's pregame playlist? What, what were you listening to oh. back in the college days? Oh, oh, I listened to mystical the man right here. <laughs> That was that was my song before every game. I had to hear that. I had to listen to that before every game. It's still that way. You, you beat me to the punch. That was be my my follow up question. If you still listen to that pregame, but it's to take oh, it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There we go. there we go, Joe. That, listen, that's certainly a classic. Can't be mad at that one, Joe. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. Uh, Coach, speaking of your your early days as a, as a football guy, who were some of your inspirations as a, as a player and as a coach? Um, as a player, you mean back when I was in college or high school or? Yeah. Who'd you model your game after as a player? If you can pinpoint um, a couple names. I can't say necessarily I model my game after anyone, to be honest with you. Um, it wasn't that many option quarterbacks. When I, like, I mean, you had some guys out there, but I don't think I was like most of those guys. Um, I would say I, I probably was a competitive, probably a, a highly competitive in, individual, like say like a Michael Vick or Tommy Frazier type guy. Totally different style of playing, but um, was going to find a way to win. You know, going to compete and, and uh, no matter what, you know. So uh, I think that was my game more than anything. Was going to find a way to to win. Certainly makes sense, uh, Coach. To open the season here, you got Charlotte. Your two programs in, in very similar spots, both heading to the AAC in, in a short amount of time here. Uh, expectations are similar. Uh, I guess talk us through what you're thinking in terms of, you know, approaching that matchup to start the season here. Well, it's a conference game, you know, so you starting off um, with, with – uh, I mean, all games are important, but, you know, conference games are – it's a little different. So um, it started off against a, a good opponent, an opponent that um, – you know, you know it's going to be a, a well-fought game each and every year when you play each other. You know, the good thing about it, we have them at home, and uh, we know we're going against a good team, and uh, we know we got to get out on, on a fast start. So um, we've been, ever since we found out we're playing week zero and against Charlotte, that's been our focus. You know, so um, knowing it's got to be that way and uh, to be ready for them. When people ask uh, ask you about FAU and, and specifically playing at that stadium, what do you uh, attribute to, like the home field advantage to there? Well, um, I think playing down in, in paradise, playing down in humidity is, is is big. But I think our fans are, are, are great. They get into the game. Um, our players um, and they love playing our stadium. We have a really nice stadium, you know, but. Um, playing at home, that's something our guys take pride in. And we, we, we talk about that uh, constantly of, of taking care of our home. You know, and um, so um, I think fan base, our students, and, and, and the passion our player has for, for playing at home uh, helps us. Got one question in terms of uh, one Evan Anderson question here for you. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh both evan and your center nick weber are ex lacrosse guys and um, there's mm-hmm. a few other guys within cusa who are also uh former lacrosse players so I'm, I'm curious what 
about those uh, ex lacrosse guys makes them uh, perfect for your football team. And uh, okay, dog, stop it. Sorry. Um, what, what about ex lacrosse guys makes them perfect for football and and seems seemingly vice versa? Well, I think um, just watching those guys, I think they both have really good feet. You know, and I think lacrosse has helped them both. And you know, you think about it, Evan, he's playing lacrosse at three hundred and sixty pounds. You know, and so that. And running around like that at 360 pounds makes it a lot easier to run around um, on the D-line and chase the ball down. And it's great to see him doing that, you know. But now he's down at 315 and running like that. So um, looking looking forward to seeing some more big plays out of him. And, and Nick is, again, playing the center position. you got to have really good feet. And um, I think that's helped him uh, big time to be a, um, a three-year starter here. Any personal experience with the sport of lacrosse or is it just sort of a coincidence that that came to be? Uh, just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. You know, I want to ask you about uh, Nikosi Perry now. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in him since he's come into the program? Well, I think from a leadership standpoint, he's he's been outstanding since uh, my last ball game. It's the way that he, he interacts with his teammates, he, he's around them all the time. Uh, he's in the office. I mean, every day this all season, he was up here in the office, um, not by himself. He, he'll always bring a receiver with him uh, to learn film, and that was something. One, he wasn't here last year to be able to do those things, but um, to see him doing it now and seeing how our receivers are responding to him has been great. But he's been great with all his teammates, and linemen and backs and even a defensive player. He's just been a really good leader for us, and, um, I think he's comfortable with his teammates now. I think when he came in, he, he'll tell you he didn't really want to ruffle any feathers because he didn't know anyone. He didn't come here until August of last year. So um, not having the offseason to really get to know his teammates, I think that was part of it. But he's been awesome this offseason. Um, and being a leader and learning and, and um, learning more football but making sure his teammates are doing the same. Coach, before you jump into the conference slate, um, you got two big ones in uh, UCF, which you guys host, and then you take a trip to Purdue on September 24th. Um, can you talk about those two games a little bit and how you're preparing for for those, particularly the UCF game, given the you know in-state uh, matchup there and the fact that you guys get to host them? Well, to be honest with you, uh, we're not preparing for those games yet. You know, we're really focused on Charlotte. You know, that's that's the big game, and um, it's great that we're going to have an opportunity to play Central Florida here in our stadium. You know, that's going to be big for us and our fan base um, to get them here at home. But um, two two really good football teams. Uh, we know we have a challenge ahead of us, but our guys are really excited about those challenges. You know, being able to go up and play Purdue on the road, a Big Ten school, it's huge for our program, you know. But um, like I mentioned at first, we got to take care of Charlotte first. Certainly makes sense. One foot in front of the other, right? <laughs> All right, Coach, uh, last question here, and then we'll let you get back to your day. Um, you're a pretty well-traveled guy. I've been to a lot of the uh, great college football cities in America over the years. Uh, from a food perspective, which one's your favorite? I think all of them. I found a nice spot in every place I've been that I uh, I, I cherish. And um, whenever I'm back in those areas, I make sure I go to those places. So I say every single one of them. Um, had a had a place there that I really enjoyed. 
Hey, can't be mad at that. There's uh, certainly something good to eat in every uh, every town across uh, the college football landscape here. All right, Coach, thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll let you get back to your day. And, um, again, we're looking forward to seeing what your team does against Charlotte coming up in a few weeks here. Hey, thank you guys for having me on, and have a great day if you want to. No problem, Coach. Thank you so much. Um, so appreciate Coach Taggart jumping on in the morning here and uh, for – you know, him answering our questions, but, you know, Eric, it's interesting to hear coach Taggart's perspective on his upcoming schedule. Seems like he's, uh, he's got his priorities in the right place in terms of taking things one week at a time. And um, I really am looking forward to that Charlotte game, given how many uh, similarities there are between those two programs in terms of expectations, in terms of, uh, you know, you got a veteran quarterback on each team and that's going to be a really fascinating start to the CUSA season here. No doubt about it, Joe. You talk about them being in similar places. And I, I not to say that Charlotte doesn't have fair expectations, but I think FAU is a little bit ahead in the sense that, you know, much has been made to do much has been made about the um, where they were as far as coming off of the the Lane Kiffin era. So I definitely think in my mind, um, as far as, you know, Willie Taggart and the championship expectations that they have there at FAU, if they can get a strong year and obviously starts with you know, beating Charlotte, uh, that at least kind of, I don't want to say quell the things in Boca Raton because I, I don't want to say that, you know, there's a huge uproar, but at least kind of guide them back in that same direction, whereas Charlotte is looking to do it for the first time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a solid point. The differentiation between uh, those two aspects of those programs are important to note for sure. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that you got Chris Reynolds in terms of, you know, both both he and Nikosi Perry are these guys who have the kind of their their last go-arounds to like, really cement their legacy on their respective program. So, you know, as, as someone who is just an offensive minded guy, I am fascinated to see how those two perform and coach Taggart hit on, you know, um, hit on Nikosi and, and everything that he's really, you know, absorbed from the program the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, hopefully with the improved offensive line for him, it, it's all going to really come together in these last, uh, these last games for him as a college player. Yeah, you know, I may have referenced this on the podcast, but I had a chance to watch Nikosi Perry's first real extended play as a college ball player because that came in the 2018 season against FIU at Hard Rock Stadium. And he looked like he was going to be the next guy. I mean, for college ball fans, you may remember Malik Rozier was the quarterback of the Hurricanes that year with Mark Rick and company. And Nikosi was so good that, you know, he couldn't stay on the field the, the entire time. Um, but he certainly had an up and down journey. And anyone who's talked with uh, people close to the program, it really seems as if Nikosi Perry having a, a young daughter has really, you know, kind of leveled him out a little bit, um, matured him and, and kind of changed him and given him that, you know, perspective that I think happens when you have a child and you become a parent and kind of get things in perspective. And we'll see how much of that can trans- translate and transfer over to the football field for him. When we saw them at CUSA Media Day, I was, you know, I, I wish we could have gotten to talk to both he and TJ Young uh, a little more, but you know, uh, scheduling is scheduling, and I've I've said my piece about why I didn't like the way that <laughs> G Five Media Days were scheduled this year, but um, I, I do wish we would have gotten to talk to to TJ Young and, and Nikosi a little bit more. And speaking of TJ Young, um, don't want to, you know, let his contributions to the program go unnoticed. Uh, Coach Taggart did refer to him as the quarterback of that defense. And I think that's a pretty apt description for him based on what we know about his his personality and just the way he plays the game. Um really has great vision as a player, really able to to point his guys in the right direction. So, you know, Eric, I'm curious. I think a lot of defenses would point to a position like 
the middle linebacker as the quarterback of their defense. But I, I personally think Coach Taggart, um, the way that he has uh, TJ unclassified as the quarterback of the defense from that safety position, I, I think it makes a little more sense. Um, and, and let me elaborate why. With that safety position, like you have a more complete view of the field. Um, you can see, you know, where you, you're asked to do more. And I, I think it really it, it takes um, not that middle linebacker is an important position. It's an incredibly important position. But I think when you come up to play that kind of position where you have to drop back, you're a little bit of everything, if that makes sense. You at times you're a pass rusher. At times you are the last line of defense in the pass game. And, you know, at times, um, depending on like what kind of system you are, you're more or less also a linebacker. So, like, you know, I, I can think of no better way to describe, you know, a defensive player who's asked to do a little bit of everything and know about each and every position on the field. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's not to say that the mic can't be, you know, the quarterback of the team as well. I think it's dependent upon the defense and the position uh, and the player. Right. But with that being said, you know, uh, uh, having a safety back there really can. A, be the quarterback of the secondary, you know, communicate those calls. And I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of in today's college football, a lot of times, you know, your your standout safety is going to play in the box a little bit, right? So as far as having that guy be able to, you know, get people in, in the right positions as far as the front seven, it's more specifically the linebackers, um, definitely think it's it's a very key position. And, and also, and it's something I've talked about on this podcast a lot is – Again, in today's college football, you're getting a lot of five DB looks, right? You know, a lot of times you're taking that third linebacker off of the field and you got two linebackers on. So it's probably even more crucial to have someone in the secondary who can communicate and keep everyone on the same page because that, that you know, whether it's a, a, a nickel corner or, you know, um, kind of a, a star, a, a hybrid guy who plays linebacker and safety, you're going to be playing in the box or you're going to be communicating to defensive backs who are playing up in the line of scrimmage or, you know, responsible for guys who are moving on the strong weak side. So it, it all makes sense there. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of TJ Young and, you know, talking about that captain of the defense, it's a nice little segue into, you know, my conference USA top 35 players of 2022, top returning players, to be clear, emphasize that part of it of 2022. Returners from last year, TJ Young makes that list for me. I believe he's number 14. Got to go back and check for sure, but I know he's in the top 15 players. Um, or seven, excuse me, number 17, uh, Evan Anderson from 14, uh, another Florida Atlantic owl. But that aside, Joe, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at the list. What were your thoughts? Uh, a lot of good players. You know, what made this tough is when I did this in 2019, did top 15, and it easily would have been a, a top 50 list again this year, except for the fact that we lost three teams who went to the Sun Belt. And with that, Joe, it was funny. I, I did a radio hit out in El Paso yesterday, and I was telling the guys there, shout out to Steve Kapowitz and Adrian Broadus, do a great job, ESPN. El Paso, uh, K-Rod is the, the um, call letters out there. It's You'd be surprised the amount of guys, when you look at ODU, even though that's a team that was kind of on the rise, they had Zach Koontz and Blake Watson, Hayden Wolf, and a couple of the guys you know, on the defensive side of the ball who probably would have made that list. You look at Southern Miss, and you, you take a look at guys like Jason Brownlee and Frank Gore Jr., they would have made the list. And then, of course, Marshall, you know, with – uh, the playmakers they have there at receiver, you know, Rasheen Ali, Abraham Boplane, and others. So, you know, they certainly have guys who have made this list. So just those three teams alone, you got about, you know, a dozen guys who would have easily put it at about 50. But with, the, with those teams leaving, decide to cap it at 35 and, you know, kind of give a quick rundown of, of some of the guys uh, in that 35 or 21 range. I, I think there was no way. I think probably the, the most 
controversial pick. I was asked about this on that uh, radio hit was Shadrick Bird, Shad Bird from Charlotte, uh, over Ronald Awat. Ronald Awat had more rushing yards than Shad Bird, but Shad Bird was an all-purpose guy, uh, both in receiving and in the kick return game. So that's why uh, he made the list as that final running back. Gavin Hardison. I know a lot of people are expecting big things from him, and you know some people think that maybe uh, this time next year he'll be in the top fifteen of this list. But uh, you know, I think just based on performance alone, he's someone who deserves a spot on the list. Certainly, a lot of good offensive linemen. You know, I think um, some people might have been a, a little bit surprised at the choice of Vic Tucker, given the fact that his numbers were down. But you know, Vic is a guy who is production in his time in the league. Uh, when he's been healthy, is certainly warranted in my mind of being a top thirty-five player. Uh, Josh Simon, I know I'll speak to your Western Kentucky heart. He's back on the list despite missing all of last year because we know he's a great tight end. And then when you go 20 through 11, you know, obviously Grant DeBose, Johnny Ford make the list. Uh, TJ Young at 17, as I mentioned. The guy who I really thought uh, deserved a lot of love, again, is Evan Anderson at 14 because he plays a position at nose guard that doesn't get a lot of love. You know, he's not going to rack up the huge counting stats. But his impact on the field is tremendous. So uh, a lot of familiar names you'll see, 35 through 11. But, you know, it's a call out a few there that I think, uh, at least judging by the reaction I got on the social media spaces, Twitter and otherwise, those are the names that stood out to some people. Yeah, I know. I enjoyed going through that list. Um, And you mentioned Vic Tucker and kind of his contributions last year. Like the great thing about him and Charlotte's offense in general. And I'm sure we'll talk to coach Healy about this when we speak to him. The fact that he and Grant DeBose are both in that system, like folks, it really seemed like last year people were so preoccupied with making sure that Vic Tucker was covered, that they, it really opened up, you know, uh, that window for Grant DeBose, who's also very good, very athletic and has uh, incredible measurements for a wide out. So like you can't underestimate the kind of contributions that that has uh, for uh, for a pass first offense like uh, like Charlotte. Um, and also, like, I'm sure we'll talk about this uh, a little bit because I, I had some when we do our episode recapping uh, some of the stuff that we got from CUSA Media Day. Um, but how did you kind of approach the ranking the the pass rushers in CUSA? Because it's a surprisingly it's a deeper league than people realize when it comes to that that edge position um, in CUSA this year between uh, you know Amahule, Jordan Ferguson, uh, Marquise Watts, all, all those guys. Well, Joe, it's interesting if you look at this list, at least thirty five through eleven. Uh, I think it's going back right here. I've got what two or three defensive linemen. I know Devon Strickland makes the list. Um, gosh, the defensive end uh, is, is coming to my mind that I know I'm missing, but it, it, I've got mostly linebackers in in that that ranking here. I just doing the quick scroll. Um, yeah, Devon Strickland, Marquise Watts, and of course Evan Anderson. Those are the the three defensive linemen. Because in my mind, Joe, you have guys that are good um, but rising. You know, in the case of Marquise Watts, I think there's still something to prove. Obviously, you know, he was a huge beneficiary of having Alex Highsmith on the other side but his numbers still rack up as amongst the best in Conference USA. Devon Strickland may have been a little bit higher if he were on a better team over the past two years since he's been a starter. And, of course, Evan Anderson, you know, makes the the top 15. But I believe I have three pass rushers in the top 10. So my point in that is saying 
you've got some pass rushers. Probably the most notable name who didn't make it was Jay Dran Taylor. You know, the guy who had seven and a half sacks last year, but I think three and a half came in one game alone. Uh, so looking a little more consistency out of him. But it's a very top-heavy pass rush league when you talk about praise Amahule and Jordan Ferguson and others. And then, you know, maybe some of the guys who are still kind of making the way. So in my mind, you have the guys who really stand out and probably going to be on NFL rosters next year. And then, you know, some of the guys who are still emerging and up and coming. Um, but yeah, you know, in terms of, of the, the past rush, in terms of this list, uh, still some guys who, you know, probably make this list next year. And then a lot of linebackers in my mind, who, who I think that may have out of any position in this league, Joe, I think a linebacker is the one where it was kind of hard to, to whittle it down because, you know, so many good uh, talented linebackers in this league. Absolutely. Uh, I'll give you one other uh, name to watch on the pass rushing side. Uh, Louisiana Tech's Kiwi Rose. Sure. Um, had a good talk with him and uh yeah we'll we'll talk a little bit more about him on another episode um but cusa deeper in in talent than i think some people realize it's you know it's fascinating to see how many good players the aac is getting uh next year and you know uh you mentioned the the talent leaving in the sun belt as well um particularly marshall's defensive line i think a lot of those guys probably would have added to that that depth at that position that i mentioned earlier with cusa but yeah man we're only a few more weeks away from the season so i'm excited to to get there we're almost there no doubt about it week zero is right around the corner all right all right so stick with us for coverage of that uh we'll be there uh right alongside all of you all on the edge of our seats um if you're not following us already on social media at underdog dynasty for updates from the site uh, i'm at j-o-e-h-a-o underscore eric is at eric c henry underscore um and uh, we're gonna update uh, a lot in the next coming weeks um we're gonna have uh, charlotte head coach will healy on uh, one of the following episodes here uh, we're gonna have uh, espn and anscapes jason reed on to talk about his uh latest book so check that out and uh, and of course we have a new sunbelt podcast if you haven't listened already um it's it's uh you know something old something new uh with brian stone and uh, the young gun zeke palermo so make sure you're checking that out if you like uh sunbelt football uh happy football watching everybody we will talk to you very soon stay safe out there